0: Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. This morning, we're taking a look at making a commitment, a financial commitment towards this building project. We've been in this place for many years. I've only been here here at this church for a little bit over six years many of you will have been here much longer than me we've been in this place for a long time and it's been a wonderful place it's been a great place for our church just to be able to have a place to be able to come together to sing these hymns to be able to hear the word of god to be preached to have classes for the kids to have adult bible classes here just to be able to have different events as we think about the years and and all the things that we do throughout the year. Already this year we've had revival services, we've had a marriage banquet, we had a family conference, we're going to celebrate Easter later in the spring, then we're going to have you know things like Mother's Day and Anniversary uh, Sunday and VBS and all sorts of different things that we do here at this place and and uh, we've been talking over the last few weeks about where god wants us to go and i believe that god has greater things in mind for our church and if god has those greater things in mind for our church then we we need to move and if we're going to start another bible class for adults you know, it's been on my heart and on my mind for many years, you know, just to have more Bible classes, you know, uh, uh, adult Bible classes for different people. And, you know, it'd be great if we had a young Mary's Bible class and and other classes and be able to have, uh, you know, uh, more spaces for the kids' ministries and and, uh, more parking spots, all of these different sorts of things. And, and uh, we, we, we've been talking about it, we've been thinking about it, we've been praying about it, and it's a, it's a topic and discussion that has come up before here at the church. But I want us all to be fully convinced in our minds of where we are going and how we're going to get there. And so this morning I want to answer a few very basic but very important questions regarding our building project. And it's very similar to the building project that they had here in ezra the idea here as we'll get into the book of ezra is that they are going to go back and build the temple in jerusalem i'm sure many of you know or maybe all of you will know that the first temple was built by solomon before that point the the offerings and the sacrifices all of those things when they would you know go into the holy of holies that was in the tabernacle The tabernacle was, for lack of a better term, just a very, very fancy, specifically made tent. It wasn't a building. There were no foundations. There were no walls. It was just basically poles and fabrics and things like that. Well, when David became king, he had the desire to build a home, if you will, for lack of a better term, for God. He was building his own home, and he thought, Well, I get to have a home, what about God? And so he desired to do that. And he he talked to his friend, one of the prophets, Nathan, and he said, what do you think about this idea? And Nathan said, great, that sounds like a wonderful idea. And as Nathan was leaving, God told Nathan, he said, who told you to tell uh, David that he could do that? You turn around and tell him, I'm sorry, I'm thankful for the idea, but you're not allowed to build the temple. Your son though, will be able to build the temple. And David spent his life, the rest of his reign, collecting the materials. He knew he couldn't do it himself, but he spent time collecting all of the materials, the stone, the wood, the gold, the metals, all of that stuff that would be needed for the temple. He collected it all, and during Solomon's reign, they built it. Well, that was great, and that was wonderful, but then the nation fell into sin. And they began to disobey the Lord and the word of God, and God would send prophets to tell them to come back to the Lord, trust in the Lord, don't trust in yourself, don't trust in other nations, don't stray away, don't worship false idols, give your lives to me and put your trust in me. And they continued to rebel against the Lord again and again and again, until finally the Lord had to say, you know what, I I have to bring judgment for this disobedience so that my people will learn and King Nebuchadnezzar came in, and he took all of the things of the temple. The whole temple was destroyed. Everything was taken and pulled away, but now it is time for them to go back and build, and that's the context in which we find ourselves here in Ezra chapter one, verse number one, and we're going to answer a few questions this morning, the first of which is whose purpose we've been talking about a building and we've been talking about classes and being able to reach people and being able to do different things in the ministry here in our church. And in, in my mind, I, I don't have a specific place in mind, but, you know, I can picture this place. I can picture the auditorium and I can picture the, the parking lot. I can picture us having different events here in the church. And in my mind, there's a place and I don't know exactly what it'll look like, but I have a place in in my imagination of what it might look like, and and I believe that whenever that time will be, that we'll be in that place. We'll be in that new building with the new opportunities, with the new uh, rooms, that we'll be able to do all sorts of different things to be able to really grow the church and the ministry here. But we are talking about a financial commitment we're talking about making this really practical in our preparation of putting dollars into this account that will be saved for this future building. I mean, that's when faith becomes real. When it's just an idea that's nice and that's wonderful, but faith puts that idea into practice, and I'm gonna commit something financially towards this building. I haven't seen the building. I don't know where it will be or when it will be or how God will do it, but I'm gonna to commit to it, putting my faith in the Lord that God is going to do this thing. But we really do have to ask and answer the question, whose idea is this anyway? Is this Pastor Choi's idea? is this my idea is this some families in the church is that their idea if we're going to commit to something we've got to know all right whose idea is this and that's very important because we're talking about a church We're not talking about some business. We're not talking about even some, uh, you know, nonprofit organization. We're talking about the church of God. We're talking about Bible Baptist church. And this church is God's church. This church was built by God. And this church will continue to be built by God. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So we really have to know, is this God's idea or our idea? If this is our idea, then it's on us. But if this is God's idea, God will provide and God will lead and God will build it. God will build up the church, which is the congregation. God will find a place for us. God will bring us to that place. If this is God's idea, looking here in Ezra chapter one, verse number one, notice how the book began. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. In verse number 2 it says thus saith the Lord or, thus saith Cyrus king of Persia the Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth and he hath charged me to build him an house at Jerusalem which is in Judah The rebuilding of the temple was the Lord's idea the Lord was the one who had started it That's how the whole book began this was God's plan this was God's idea The book is called Ezra, the book of Ezra. And it's in some part about how God used Ezra. But it's interesting to note that you don't see the name Ezra until halfway through the book. Chapter 7 is when you begin to see the name of Ezra. And so what you see is that even though the book is named after Ezra, and Ezra was in large part leading this, uh, a big part of the rebuilding of the temple, the beginning of it was the Lord. God was the one who had started it. God had started it before Ezra ever came on the scene. Long before Ezra, God had moved in the heart of Cyrus. Even before that, God knew That this was going to happen in Jeremiah chapter 29 for thus saith the Lord that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon I will visit you and perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place God had spoken to Jeremiah 70 years before that even though I am going to bring judgment I will bring you back because I am good because I am merciful because I will give you my grace And so God had in his mind this plan to rebuild the temple before Ezra was around, before Cyrus was even born, before any of these people that you read about here in the book of Ezra, God had already planted this plan to be put into place. This was God's idea to rebuild the temple. And you see that the Lord began to start this plan of his by stirring up the spirit of the people. In verse number one, you see that the Lord uh, wanted to fulfill his word, and so the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. In verse number five, it says, Then rose up the chief of the fathers of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites, with all them whose spirit God had raised. So if you want to think about this project where they were at, this was phase one of their project. Phase one of their project was they needed to get back to that place and they needed to raise some funds and and just to be able to begin this process. And God stirred up the spirit of Cyrus and of his own people so that they might begin. That's where it began, with the spirit of the people being stirred by god i've been here for just over six years and i'm thankful that god moved me here and brought me to this place and allowed me a place in ministry here i've been here for just over six and a half years and as long as i've been here we've had the exact same offering envelopes the same envelopes the same designs the same wording identical for the last six and a half years. I don't know how long we've had these envelopes. Some of you that have been here a little bit longer than me, you might know, maybe we've had it for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, I'm not really sure. Some of you might have an offering envelope there with you. And if you look at that offering envelope, there are different categories there listed on the envelope. Different aspects of our giving financially, the first of which is the tithe. The Bible talks about the tithe, the 10% of our income that is given to the Lord. You see that Abraham committed that 10% to the Lord. Jacob committed that 10% to the Lord. And really that was a commitment for them even before the law that God, you are my God and I will demonstrate that aspect in my life by giving 10% to you. That's how they did that. That was uh, apparently very customary. And so Abraham did that, Jacob did that. And then you see, obviously, later in the Old Testament with the law that the Israelites, they did that, they gave to the, the, the priests, they give that 10%, they gave the tithe, and we believe there's a biblical principle that is there. And so we encourage our people, if you're a, a, a child of God, commit yourself in faith to the Lord, making that commitment, God, you are my God, and I will make that financial commitment to you. So the very first line of that offering envelope is the tithe. Below that is missions. And we believe that God has called us to reach the world with the gospel. That is what we do. That is why every Saturday morning we go out, we uh, share invitations, and we leave them on the doors, and we knock on doors, and we encourage you, bring some invitations with you. If you go to a restaurant, you meet a friend, you meet a neighbor, you meet a stranger, you'll have something available just to be able to leave in their hands, and just a reminder for them, hey, why don't you come to church? Hey, why don't you reach out? Why, you know, let's let's meet up, I'd love to share with you the Bible or something, you know, some opportunities, and, and we can do that here, but how are we going to do that in the rest of the county, the rest of the state, the rest of the country, and the rest of the world? Well, we do that by supporting missionaries. We do that with those that have committed their lives. You know what? I'm going to take uh, myself and my family, and we're going to move to a different state. We're going to move to a different country, with the purpose of reaching those people with the gospel and every fall we have a missions conference we have missionaries come in or those that had been missionaries come in and share the burden of reaching people with the gospel and i'm so thankful for them they really make a large commitment to just move to a whole different place with a different culture and a different way of of doing things and living life and trying to reach them with the gospel. And, and this past year, we had some wonderful uh, missionaries. We had Brother Baskins with us, who was a missionary in Korea for many years. And, and just hearing him share the burden and, and just, you know, giving that invitation to make a, a commitment. I was moved and I, I made a greater commitment this past year than, than I'd made in years past. And so there's, there's a missions category there on the envelope. And I would encourage all of you to make some commitment. It might be a small commitment. It might be $5 a month, $20 a month, uh, five, $10 a week, something like that. You know, I would encourage every one of us, just even as a simple reminder, this is important. Reaching people around the world with the gospel is important. So on the offering envelope, you have tithe, then you have missions, then you have thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is simply God you've been good to me, and I want to give something to you because you've been good to me. Not because I have to, not because I made a commitment. I'm just so thankful. I want to give God something, and I want to give this Thanksgiving offering. It's a free will offering. Nobody's making you do it. It's completely up to you whenever you want to, but if you feel so compelled, God, you've been good to me, And I want to give something to you because you've been good to me, and I'm thankful for that. I want to give something here. So there's the Thanksgiving category. Below that category is building fund. For the last six and a half years, on our offering envelopes, we're a category called building fund. And I don't, I don't see the offerings, I don't know how much comes into that, but it's been available this whole time. As long as I've been here, this building fund category for me to give to has been available this whole time. You could have given to the building fund at any time you wanted to, but I believe that there's a reason now why we're pointing this out. I believe the reason why we are now pointing this out is because God is moving in our church. It's time. It's been available, but I believe now God is stirring in people's hearts. It's time. It's time for us to think about where we're going to be. It's time for us to think about how can we continue to move forward as a ministry and where would that place be? And I believe that God is stirring in our hearts. You know what? It's great for the tithe. That's what God wants. And there's a place for missions. And maybe from time to time, you'll have a place for, you know, just saying, you know what, God, I'm so thankful. It's not very much, but I just want to give you something as a demonstration of my thanksgiving to you for your goodness. And now right below that, I believe it's time for us to begin filling out that category right there, building fund. And I believe that God is stirring in our hearts. And, and God stirred in the hearts there in the book of Ezra, the people that were there, in order that he might receive glory. In Ezra chapter three, we're going to fast forward just a little bit. You'll see that they have now finished the foundation of the temple. They had to obviously go back and redo the foundation of the temple and laid there for 70 years. They needed to Rebuild this thing, and so they rebuilt it in verse number 10. It says, When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, they set the priests in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites, the son of Asaph, with cymbals, to praise the Lord after the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang together by chorus in praising and giving thanks unto the Lord, because he is good, for his mercy endureth forever toward Israel." And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. God did this thing where he moved in the hearts of the people, he collected that which was needed, and they began to lay the foundation of the temple, and the people began to praise the Lord, they thanked God, and they gave recognition to God that he was good, for his mercy endureth forever toward Israel." God moved in their hearts so that he might receive these things. And I believe that God will receive the glory in wherever it is that we go. However it is that we get there, God will receive the praise and the glory, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. For us as a church, practically, we know that the church is not a piece of land. It's not a building. It's not a room. It's not this physical place that we sit in sometimes we say even in my family we say we're going to church but technically we're going to the church property we're not going to the church because that's kind of strange when you think about the church is a group of people the church is the body of christ we could meet here we could meet anywhere we could meet in a park and we would be going to church if you want to put it that way the church obviously is not a building. It's not this property that we're looking for. It's not the new classrooms. The church is the body of Christ. And Jesus said, I will build my church. And if you are saved, you're baptized, and you're added to this body, Bible believing, uh, Bible Baptist church where we believe the Bible, you'll know that this church has a mission that is given to us by our head, Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 28, he says, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. I believe that the reason why we need this new place is to fulfill this commission that was given to us. We need some space to be able to grow some classes, to be able to reach some new people. We need a new parking spot, you know, more parking spaces, you know, and and all of these different things in order to be able to reach some more people. And I believe that God is moving in us, that this is the time for us. But this must be God's idea. This can't be man's idea. Because if this is a man's idea, it won't work except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In Romans, he says, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? See, if this project is God's idea, it's going to work and it will be done. And I hope that you will be convinced in your minds as well that this is God's idea not just some man's idea, not just your pastor's idea, not just some brother or sister's idea, but really that this is God's idea that we move forward in this way. So that's a very important question for us to answer. Whose purpose is this? Whose idea is this? The second question we need to answer is which people, which people are to be involved with this project? Who is going to do the work? it's great that god wants to rebuild the temple that's wonderful but who is going to do it because we know that god created the universe in six days and he did it by speaking so if god wanted a temple back in jerusalem he could have simply just spoken it right just like he said let there be lights let the firmament be divided, let there be animals, and all all of these things, you know, all that God had said in Genesis chapter 1 when he created the universe, he could have simply said, let there be a temple back in Jerusalem in the place where it belongs, and it would have appeared exactly as God wanted it. But that's not how God did it. That's not how God built the first temple either. You know how the first temple was built? By God's people. You know how this temple was going to be rebuilt? By God's people. You know, the lesson that we learn from the Lord is that God wants to use us. God wants us to be involved. And God uses his people. In verse number three, Ezra chapter one, verse number three, he says, who is there among you of all his people? He gave a decree out to the entire kingdom, to his whole empire. Who is there among you of the people of God? And all those people of God, their ears would have perked up. King Cyrus is looking for the people of God? The God of the Bible? He's, all right, I'm listening. Who is there among you of all his people? And I hope that when the call goes out to God's people, that your ears perk up. That you think, oh, this is for me. That God has a message for me. That God wants to do something with me. What a great question for us to ask. Who is there among God's people? This call goes out to his people to build this new place. And that's how God works. God could use anything and God could use his word. God could simply speak it. But God has decided through the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see that God has decided to use his people and that God goes with his people In verse number three, he says, who is there among you of all his people? His God be with him. And let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God, which is in Jerusalem. God promises to go with us wherever it is that we go. If we go in the name of God and we follow God, know that you are not going alone, that God goes with you. He said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So God uses His people, and we need to know that God doesn't just use some of His people. God uses all of His people. God uses every single one. In fact, when Cyrus gave the decree, he said, "There's two kinds of people of God." All right, and he says in verse number three, "Who is there among you of all His people? His God will be, be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem." All right, I want I want to make this decree very clear. I want you to go back to Israel, but there will be some that won't go. So in verse number four, he says, and whosoever remaineth in any place where he sojourneth. All right. If you're not going to go back, you're, you were taken and you're here, but you know, it's been 70 years. So those people that were taken may not even be alive anymore. There would have been people that would have been born there. They might have had little kids and things like that. And they're thinking, I can't move now. How am I going to be able to move now? You know, it's hundreds of miles away. Now is not a great time for me to move. What he says is, for those of you that remain in this place, let the men of his place help him with silver and with gold and with goods and with beasts besides the free will offering for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. So you have two groups of people. One are people that would go, others are people that would give. Those are the two groups of people. And the implication was clear. Either you go or you give, but either way, everybody should do something. Everybody should be involved in some way. Either you go and you build, you move your family back and you physically get in there and you build the temple or you give to help those that are going. That was the idea, verse number five. Then rose up the chief of the fathers of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites with all them whose spirit God had raised to go up to build the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. And all day that were about them strengthened their hands with vessels of silver, with gold, with goods and with bees, and with precious things besides all that was willingly offered. The principle here is that God wants everyone to be involved. See, we're here and we're talking here to the members of Bible Baptist Church. If you're here and you're just a visitor, you know, we're thankful for you, but you know, and you know, this message is primarily focused on those that are part of our church. The church is described as the body of Christ. The head is Christ, and the body is the church. That that's the description of it. So the head, Christ, controls the body. And whatever the body does, it does it as a whole. It does it all together. You know, just think about your physical body. Whatever you do, you do it as a whole body together, right? Just think about simple things like throwing a ball. Let's think about throwing a baseball, right? When you think about throwing a baseball, you think about like what? You think about your arm, right? You think about your arm, you pick up a ball, you hold it in your hand, and you're going to throw it with your arm. But have you ever seen somebody throw a ball with just their arm? You ever see them, they just stand still as a rock and they throw it like that, right? You think that's not throwing a ball, throw the ball, right? What are you supposed to do when you throw the ball? You're supposed to put your whole body into it, right? You got to plant your feet into the ground, you got to turn back with your body, you got to use your legs and power into the legs and turn your torso and, and whip that ball down into the strike zone. You know, that, that's how you throw a ball. You get the whole body involved in order to get that ball from the pitcher's mound to home plate past that batter over there, right? And the idea, I think, is very similar, that God wants everybody to be involved in some way, shape, and form. Whether you give a lot, whether you give a little, I I think that God wants every one of us to pray and, and for us to commit ourselves in this way. My dad gave a testimony a little while ago when he was here about, you know, when I was growing up and they had gone through a building program. And I, I experienced it, but I was just a little kid. You know, I didn't, you know, really, you know, know that much about really what was going on. But I just, I knew some of these things. And, and uh, my dad reminded me of this story. We had gone through the building program and we, we did all sorts of different things. We bought the property, but we didn't have any money to build anything. And so what we did was we set up a tent, you know, we set up this giant tent And uh, we put wood chips on the floor and we met there in a, in a, in, in a tent for, uh, I think almost a year. And so in Seattle, we set up a tent when it's raining outside, we have no pavement. The, the parking lot is just mud every single week, and so that's how we met, every single week, and as a kid, it was fun, <laughs> I'll just admit, it was fun, now I'm sure the adults thought otherwise, oh, we gotta go through the mud, and we gotta, you know, it's cold, and things like that, as a little kid, I thought, hey, this is kind of fun, you know, it's a terrible distraction, because during every service, there's wood chips on the floor, and so we would pick up the wood chips, and we'd break them apart, you know, and, and throw them at our friends, or whatever, you know, and, but that that's what we did, you know, but we didn't have any money, we didn't, we didn't have anything, So we moved here and there. We did that for a little while and all these things. And eventually we built the building. The building is still there. In fact, they've added on to it uh, later. Uh, But we, we finished the building. We began to meet in the building and uh, we had a family come shortly thereafter, and so this man and uh, his wife and uh, two of his kids, I think one of the kids was uh, a- already graduated at the time, but, you know, came to the church, and, and uh, I, you know, through the course of conversation found out, oh, you know, they, we had just built this building, and uh, this man felt like, oh, I missed it. I missed out on this opportunity to be a part of this. Is there something that we could do? And uh, the pastor was, you know, said, well, we're, we're technically meeting in the building, but, you know, we kind of haven't finished, you know, everything in the building. You know, you, you, you have the finished building, but, you know, we, we need some trim, you know, and, you know, like there were baseboards and crown molding and some things like that that they wanted in different places. And so they said, well, you know, it'd be nice to have these things you really to just kind of, you know, finish off, you know, the building. And he said, you know what? Guess what? I own a wood trim company. His company supplied baseboards and crown molding and chair rails to businesses. And he had this business in Seattle and uh, he would, you know, people would bring in their orders and he'd, and he'd ship them out and that was his business. And he said, great, I get to be a part of this and I get to supply this thing. I think this is a wonderful example that no matter who you are or when you come in to this process that God has a place for everyone, and that God wants everyone to be involved. And so that's the second question that needs to be answered. Which people? The first question is, whose purpose? Whose idea is this? If this is God's idea, it will be done. Who is to be involved? Well, God's people are to be involved. The third question we need to answer is, what provision will be used to build the building. Because it's nice that we have a great work ahead of us and that we are convinced that this is God's doing. And it's nice when everyone is on board, every member is saying, this is what God wants us to do, let's go do it, that's great. But building a temple still takes money. You still need gold, you need silver, you need wood, you need stone, you need equipment, you need supplies. Where is this going to come from? Well, we know that if this is God's idea, God will provide. God's purpose will be provided for by God. And in this case, there were three sources of provision for this rebuilding of the temple. The first of which was a prior provision. In verse number seven, he says, Also Cyrus the king brought forth the vessels of the house of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had brought forth out of Jerusalem and had put them in the house of his gods. Even those that Cyrus, king of Persia, bring forth by the hand of Mithradath, the treasurer, and number them unto Sheshbazar, the prince of Judah. And this is the number of them, 30 chargers of gold, a thousand chargers of silver, nine and and twenty knives, 30 basins of gold, silver basins of a second sort 410, and other vessels 1,000. All the vessels of gold and silver were 5,400. All these did Sheshbazar bring up with them of the captivity that were brought up from Babylon unto Jerusalem." So as the command goes out, we need to rebuild the temple. If you're one of God's people, you go. If you're not able to go, then you give, but everybody get involved. and what he did was he gave this collection of vessels and knives and, and, and other things. Well, where did these vessels come from? It came from Israel. Way back when Nebuchadnezzar invaded the nation and he took all the things in Second in Kings 25, you'll see that they burned the temple, he burned the king's house, he burned the houses of every great man, every mansion that was there in Israel was burned Uh, by Nebuchadnezzar. And they took all of the things. They took all the vessels of the temple. They took all the vessels of the king's house. They took all the vessels that were there, all of the nice things. The Bible even says that they took the pillars of brass and there was a brass sea. And so they broke it up and they took all the pieces and brought them all back uh, to Babylon. And so they, they took all of these things and they brought it all the way back to Babylon. 70 years later, those same vessels are going to be used for the rebuilding of the temple. So even before they began with anything else there was already something that was there then there was a personal provision we've we've seen this already in verse number four all right if you're not going to go then you give vessels of gold and silver goods and beasts and and these sorts of things you you give it to them and they will go and they will take it and use it for the rebuilding of the temple So that's really how the original temple was supplied. The people would give, or the people were in that case, because it was a nation, the king taxed the people. And so the people were the ones that had given to that original temple. And that was what was given in the rebuilding of the temple. But now also these were going to commit themselves financially towards the rebuilding of the temple. And notice that it was given in verse number six, that it was a they willingly offered it. It was a free will offering. Now, this commitment that we're about to make, I believe, and I really want you to know, should be a free will offering. This is between you and God. This is what you are going to do because God has stirred in your heart to do this thing for the Lord's glory, because he is good mercy endureth forever. I want you to know this is a commitment that is between you and God. Second Corinthians chapter 9 says, every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. I want you to know that this commitment should be given willingly and cheerfully. Not I have to be a part, but I get to be a part you know brother brooks this past wednesday he's the he's the head of the building committee and he, and he shared a few words that were that were encouraging to me but he mentioned that there you know there's going to be this this plaque that is going to be you know placed and all those that give towards this building will have a name that is there whether you give a lot whether you give a little you know no matter what if you've committed then there's going to be this place for you and i i think that's you know just an encouragement for us to know This is just something that you want to do for the Lord, and I hope that it will encourage you just to think about, you know what, this is what God wants for us to do. I hope that other generations will see this is what we were moved by God to do, and this is where we have come. The third provision that was given to these people was a providential provision. There was a provision that was given that was already there that was given back to them then the people gave but then thirdly we see that god supernaturally provided for these people if you go to chapter number six and you see this recounting of cyrus's decree and what had happened you'll see in verse number three of chapter six it says in the first year of cyrus the king the same cyrus the king made a decree concerning the house of god at Jerusalem." let the house be builded, the place where they offered sacrifices, and let the foundations thereof be strongly laid, the height thereof threescore cubits, and the breadth thereof threescore cubits, with three rows of great stones and a row of new timber, and so he says, go back, and we know this, God had told Cyrus, he moved in his heart, to make a command to rebuild the temple, this is nothing new, but at the very end it says, and let the expenses be given out of the king's house. So you see that God supernaturally provided for the building of this temple through King Cyrus. This was nothing that the people of God could have convinced King Cyrus, we want to rebuild the temple and we want you to pay for it. That is not how this worked. God moved in Cyrus's heart. I want to rebuild the temple and I will provide for it. That had to be God. Now, if you know anything about this area, You'll know that we need God's provision. We need God to give us a place. We're going to need that. We're going to need that which is given. We're going to need all of that. But at the end of the day, we need God to provide for us. And just like we saw in the book of Ezra, there were these three provisions, we also have these three provisions when you take a look at the prior provision, that which was given before, that was returned unto them, we too have a prior provision. What is that provision? Well, you're sitting in it. You know this building that we sit in? Somebody gave towards that. Years and years and years ago, members of this church committed themselves financially to the purchase of this property and to the purchase of this building and if you were here last year as part of the annual business meeting, or, or earlier in January, and then also last year, you'll know that we have paid off the mortgage for this property. We have no debt, we, we own this property outright, and praise the Lord for that. You know how that was accomplished? God used his people to give financially towards the purchase of the property and for the paying off of it, and we get to start ahead. We get to sell the property, When we want to move into the new one so we have a prior provision already praise the lord for that we're talking about a personal provision now just like those gave in the past for the purchase of this property we are asking you to consider whether god is moving in your heart to give to provide for the next property that we will be moving towards that's the personal provision and the last of which is a providential provision where is this property going to come from in this area i have no idea but i know that god will provide because if we wanted to we could easily go to other places where it's cheaper right we 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 know the 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 layout of the of la area and you know if we moved in a particular directions we could we could get you know huge properties for cheap you know you might have to drive an hour and a half to get there to church every sunday but you know if we really wanted to you know we could we could do things like that but I think all of us are convinced in our minds that's not what God wants us to do. God wants us to stay here. God wants us to stay somewhere in this area, this South Bay area, if you will. You know, somewhere here, or Torrance, or, you know, it's a, somewhere in this area. I believe that that's what God wants us to do. But as you know, it's, well, it's not cheap here you know? And if we're going to move to a property, we've got to move to a a bigger property, right? What's the point of us moving to another same size property? So it's going to be expensive. And and as you know, there's not a lot of land out here, right? There's not new land that's just going to pop up here and there, you know? It's basically all been used up in this area. So we've got to find something. How will we find it? Well, God will find it for us. And God will let us know this is a place, All right? You've prepared for it. You've been collecting offerings and you've been saving for this and you have this property already. Everything's available. Now I'm opening the door. It's time. And I I don't know when that'll be. It might be this year. It might be next year. We have no idea. We have no idea. It might be years down the road. We don't know. But I, I really think that in our church that God is stirring, that now's the time for us to begin to look forward to this new building that God has for us wherever it will be, whenever it will happen, I believe that that's what God's doing. So I hope that you'll ask these three questions and have them fully answered in your minds. Whose purpose is this? I hope that you're convinced in your minds this is God's purpose. Which people are to be involved? I hope that you're convinced God wants me involved. And what provision do we have and what provision will be used? I hope that you'll be convinced that all right just like god provided for them god will provide for us god has a prior provision for them god has a prior provision for us god will supernaturally provide he provided for them god will supernaturally provide for us it's that one that's left that personal provision whether we will commit to that or not what provision do we have well these are the three that we have and that's what we're looking for and that's what we're praying about and so as you hold that commitment card in your hand and you pray over it over the next week, I hope that you'll ask these three questions and have them fully answered in your mind as you consider what God will have for you to commit towards this project.